never worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you lend us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd Oh, Kevin, it's Kevin, it's all Welcome to the latest episode of the It's Canon Podcast. For the week of August 8th, here we are with another double episode for everyone. As always, we are your hosts this week. I'm Boris. And joining me, the egonamic, the many things, Phil. The Lord of the Sith. Exactly. <laughs> How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. That's awesome. Good to hear. Very good to hear. Hey, yeah, yeah but- man. Like, it's summertime. The birds are chirping. The raccoons are eating garbage. Everything's as it should. Exactly. Oh, except for coronavirus and, oh, right. you know. Asking for you're asking for too much right now. You're asking for way yeah, too much. It's 2020, good. Exactly. <laughs> this is as good as 2020 is gonna get. I'll fucking take it at this point. We are the It's Canon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things geek. We talk about all things comics, all things toys, all things video games, all things movies, all things TV, all things books, everything and everything. And the best part of it all is, is that it's all in canon. This week we have an awesome show, so as I mentioned at the top of the show, it is a split show like we've been doing for the past several weeks. Right now, you're going to listen and hear us talk, vent, rant about all things news of the week. And then, in the second half, which will come out Wednesday, we will have sort of a extended conversation about a couple subjects. Subject number one being Mulan. Moving to Disney Plus, escaping theaters, grasps, and how the the entire industry has reacted from consumers to theater owners to one theater owner in France beating up Mulan uh, posters with a bat. We'll be talking about all things Mulan, Disney Plus, and theaters. We're going to get some reactions from myself, from Phil, from Tyler. And then we're going to also be talking about the very controversial TikTok ban and then some and what that actually means and a few other bans that were hidden in the executive order and what the repercussions could mean around not only apps, not only video games, but the entertainment industry as well. So we have a really jam-packed week for you, week for you, and it's going to be um, a lot of great discussion. And I'm sure 
that for once, the three of us aren't going to agree on most things, but that's all right, and I'm really looking forward to that. So, Phil... Me as well. Exactly. So, Phil, at the top of the show, Animal Crossing, how's that oh. going? Oh, man. it It's plateaued. Like, honestly... I don't know. I, I, I finally missed one of my gates, uh, daily gates on it that I kind of try and do every time. And I missed it. So I got a little bit discouraged. And you know what? It's it's a lot of the same. There's there's it's rudderless at this point. There's no point to the game. Every Saturday, the stupid little dog comes and plays his banjo or whatever. And then the credits roll. I, I just, you know, they keep unpacking in features, which are cute, like fireworks and all these different things, but ultimately it's, uh, the experience is definitely diminishing for me. However, it was interesting to see Nintendo come up with their, uh, quarterly report or whatever it was. And due to animal crossing, this actually shocked me due to animal crossings, uh, help on the bottom line, their profits this quarter have gone up something like 428%. Yep. And they've sold more units of Animal Crossing than they did of the the Zelda game. They sold more units of Animal Crossing than they did of all Metroid games combined. Yep. That sounds about right. Yeah, it's nuts. But to me, it makes sense. Middle of the pandemic, nothing to do, nowhere to go, nothing better to do but to play video games. And one thing I did notice about Animal Crossing is that people who I never thought would ever own a system went out and bought a Nintendo Switch just yeah. for Animal Crossing. Um, so, you know, the the reach that it's had has been tremendous, and we're seeing the results. And Nintendo, Nintendo is like that, that bug that can, you know, survive nuclear apocalypse. Nintendo, for some reason, they always have that ace up their sleeve. They always have that one franchise once a quarter, you know, once every two quarters, once a year. That just dominates the marketplace, and it keeps business and lights turned on, and, you know, everything is good. Nintendo can do so much wrong, but yet, at the same time, they have that one gold mine that they can really rely on, and this year seems to be Animal Crossing. It, it's great because it is the perfect game at the perfect time. Yeah. No doubt about it. But uh, beyond that, it's accessible by casuals. You know, even like I'll put myself in that category. I'm not the type of guy who typically plays this type of game. And I, you know, despite the prolific gamer that I am, I think of myself as a casual gamer. Sometimes I only give myself, you know, half an hour or yeah. less for a sitting and Honestly, I don't get ingrained to the degree that I notice some of my other gamer friends get on on level advancements and just overall product knowledge and, and system knowledge. Like for me, it's just I pick the thing up, I play it, yeah. I, I have fun, and if I get bored with it, I stop. You know? It's uh it, but it's hats off to Nintendo. You're right. They they seem to pull this out. There's a special Nintendo touch. Yep. You know, and when you're playing a game that has that Nintendo feel, regardless of system, platform, age, you, it's just a, a touch of magic, only that their company does really well. So good on them. Yeah, like Zelda, Mario, any Pokemon game, those seem to always have that, you know, the touch. If I had the music queued up, I would be playing the touch from the Transformers soundtrack 
happy 34th birthday to the 1987 Transformers or 80s, whatever, whatever, 86, whatever year that fucking movie came out where they killed Optimus. Yeah, I, I have it on DVD somewhere in my, my Transformers collection. Yep, I have like three versions of that. Well, man, you just out-geeked me. Every anniversary version I, I, I somehow end up with. Yeah, and that, that happens. You know, for me, I think Labyrinth, I seem to have an exorbitant amount of versions of Labyrinth. You know, it's. I was actually disappointed, uh, just as an aside as well. Apparently, because of all the stuff that's going on with the pandemic and all the Comic-Cons being canceled, they are releasing some of the products that would have been show exclusives. And Toys R Us Canada had, which I, I believe I mentioned this with Matt and them, had a blacks or like a 18 plus uh, diorama of Luke and Vader having the sword fight on the Bespin platform. Yeah. And it was something like 395 pieces for $49.99 and it's sold out. They've even delisted it off the website now because the internet erupted in Lego universe this yeah. week because everyone was pissed yeah. that they didn't even get a shot at it from other retailers. Crazy. So it's, it looks like a great set too. It was, it's a great way to get Darth Vader with the new printed arms without having to splash down 90 plus dollars on the set that releases September 1st. Yeah. Talking about exclusives. I went to Toys R Us yesterday. Um, to pick up a birthday present. And one thing that I did notice is exactly what you mentioned. And that's for some reason, somehow, Toys R Us has managed to scoop up a lot of American exclusive toys. When I was uh, rummaging through all of their inventory, trying to find something Pokemon for my baby nephew, I noticed Walgreen exclusive, Target exclusive, so-and-so exclusive. Ooh. Basically, any store... That is not here in Canada. Toys R Us has it. That's interesting. I might have to. I, I've been extremely reluctant to hit up retail yeah. stores with this pandemic. And yesterday I went to Starbucks. I yeah. bought a coffee. And now I'm thinking I need to hit up a Toys R Us. Just, you know, mask up and uh, have a peruse. Because I've noticed uh, just on the website alone. There are things that are, are showing up there that are really interesting. Like even the um, Mandalorian Hasbro Black Series yes. Storm Flame Trooper helmet. Yes. Now, I, I don't know. I don't need a fourth Storm Trooper helmet, but it definitely deserves uh, some some eyes on it from yeah. this Star Wars fan. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's crazy, and I, I think that's really cool that they've been able to do that, and that's a very smart strategy. You know, if you can bring the exclusives, that kind of helps people like, you know, you and I, who have been for the past couple weeks complaining that, hey, as much as I love exclusives and they're cool and everything, we get, you know, we're shit out of luck up here in Canada a lot of times with exclusives. So, yeah. good on Toys yeah. R Us for doing that. Um did you pick up the Nintendo Lego set? I haven't yet. I've seen some pretty good reviews on it. Uh, you know, I have my my guys that I, I or the people I watch on the YouTubes, uh, Jang Bricks and and Just Too Good, and uh, I've seen some half decent reviews on it. it. It definitely looks interesting. It's 
it really comes down to a problem that that you have, Boris. Um, I'm starting to get into that problem. Where the hell do I put all this shit? Yeah, because it's a sizable set. That you know, goes in small, you know. So. Yeah, like the, with the TV and everything. The other thing is, is that you know, full disclosure. As a kid, I was a Sega Master System yeah, guy. Exactly. And um, the Nintendo was always this thing that I looked at with, you know, envy in my eyes and disdain in my voice because I had to stick with Sega. However, I certainly didn't have a problem going to my friend Adams and playing Super Mario or Zelda or any of the other stuff that was on there. And I was very jealous of even the cartridge loading system. I know it sounds dumb, but it's really cool that on the Nintendo Lego, the cartridge does go in and down. Yeah. You know, and that that system had me envious because Sega was just slam cartridge indoor. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't glamorous at all. And the cartridges were small. Yeah. And I remember. Even that the casing for the for the NES made the cartridges look bigger to a kid. And to a kid, that means that there's more game. What it's I not love, true. Yeah. What I actually loved about Nintendo packaging was that plasticky thing that protected the actual cartridge. That mm-hmm. that that um envelope thing. The insert, yeah, I love yeah, that thing. It, yeah, no, I, it's it's brilliant. You know, again, the Nintendo magic. Either it's design, uh, quality, or product, whatever it, whatever you want to define it as. You know, software, wherever it comes from, it's it's up and down all over Nintendo from every aspect. You know, and I know there's a lot of retro gamers out there uh, that are going to agree with me, right? Yep. It, it's just it makes it a lot more fun to collect. And hit up stores like if you're checking out places like Microplay or or even the EB Games and whatnot, you can go in there and you can get a lot of retro stuff. But uh, I know that there's a lot of stores that focus in on actually obtaining the stuff from the 80s, and it's amazing. Yes, yeah. it's, it's just great to revisit it. That's one thing about Nintendo um, is they've been very, and I think that this is smart overall because it makes things that much more special when they do come out and it's one thing that nintendo has excelled in or you know has pissed you off about nintendo and that's how protective they are about their ip Mm -hmm. you know until recently have you started seeing nintendo come out with official merch for certain things and you know as i was prepping for this show one of the things that came across uh um, my news feeds is the Lego Super Mario starter set. So these yeah. Legos are actually really cool. They have the, um, obviously, the starter course. Uh, they have Toad's Treasure Hunt expansion, uh, the Thwomp Drop expansion, Guarded Fortress expansion, and the one that I really, 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 really want is the Bowser's Castle expansion set. Yeah, it, it's a great line. It's new to Nintendo. Uh, the disappointment from Lego fans, all right, is that we wanted a Mario minifig. And instead, we have these what we call brick-built characters. Yeah. Now, the brick-built is kind of cool, but as a Lego fan and a traditionalist, minifigs are where it's at, unfortunately. And I hate, hate, hate to admit how obsessed I can get with minifigs. Yeah, like they're the most undetailed. Like you know, they they've gotten a lot better, obviously, but basically the shape 
of, of a Lego minifig has never really changed. No. So it, you can almost make your own Mario. You know what I mean? It's just getting the hat yeah. or something, you know, with the hairpiece molded, dual molded, molded in or whatever the, the case may be. But that's been kind of the format that the collections take place with. So the disappointment on it is that they needed to, you know, they ha also are running in parallel a uh, Minecraft Lego series. They do Overwatch. So they get these IPs, and it's just great that Nintendo went ahead, okayed this. I'm sure part of the deal was making the NES, you know, because, again, amazing experience and fun to see, you know, the, the little brick-built Mario running up and down the screen, yeah. so to speak, as you as you twirl that thing around. It's 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 a weird weird niche market. Like I just recently went out and bought Spider-Man Far From Home jet set. Yep. Also I could have the John Favreau minifig. Cuz sure. that just seems like Happy Hogan, right? Yeah. That just seems like one of those things with how the Mandalorian's hit and whatnot. Not that I'd ever ever sell any of this stuff because for a while there Ahsoka Tano's minifig, there's only been 3 of them ever produced. And the last one came out of a Rebel set, and it's been selling for over 150 American. Wow. Just because of all the Clone Wars shows and the hype around it. So people want this minifig. Lego have now released a set that's coming out in North America on September 1st with a new Ahsoka Tano from the Clone Wars that season. So fans will, you know, be joyful on the fact that they can get it for under $50 yeah. now. So it's just a weird weird offshoot of collecting you know and and i've replaced a lot of my star wars collection with just collecting star wars lego yeah because i get the added bonus of building the item collecting the minifigs and you know getting five six minifigs in a box uh you know having all the bounty hunters and then i buy the little plastic display cases for them and i mount them all up and yeah, that's that's the way I enjoy my collection and why I enjoy Lego so much. You know, it's branched off into Lego movie, stuff like that, but yeah. nothing nothing too distracting. I I've, I always go back to Star Wars. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. It's two birds, one stone type thing, right? It is. But I, I, I don't want to put my toe into the water for the Mario stuff because... You know, it can get out of hand, and it gets expensive. Lego, I remember one time I was at Toys R Us, and I was buying a helmet. I was buying a Black Series helmet. I believe it was a Stormtrooper helmet. And I said to the girl who was cashing it out, I said, that's probably the least amount of weight for the most amount of money in this store. Because the box felt like it was empty. It's it's just plastic, right? Yeah. Injected plastic. And it feels like I'd like look in the box to make sure. It was a Kylo Ren helmet, actually. I had to look in the box to make sure, you know, okay, there's a full helmet in here. And she she just looked at me and she laughed and she said, no, that's Lego. <laughs> and, she's, and she had such disdain in her voice. Yeah. Like, these idiots come in and buy so much of this light stuff. Yeah. And it always makes me laugh when I see a Lego set and they declare the weight, you know, 13 pounds. And I go, that's not light plastic. <laughs> yeah. That's fucking funny. 
but that that model is like four feet long so that's the star destroyer i think it weighs in at 13 pounds that's insane that is absolutely insane so well 13 pounds is 900 dollars worth of lego (laughs) (laughs) when you put it that way it just makes the whole collecting lego just seem insane yeah it is it is and Literally, like I watch guys on the internet going nuts for it. It's to the point where it's like, well, this set, you get this part, but it's in a new color. So if you're going to make your own mocks, if you're going to make your own creations, it's the way that you're able to farm pieces or go to a site called Bricklink, which is owned by Lego now. um, And you're able to order individual parts. And that's, that's all priced on scarcity. That's really cool. Yeah. So, nostalgia. Nostalgia is a hell of a thing, and we live in a time where nostalgia really takes over. Remakes, reboots, redos, whatever you want to call them, it seems to be in right now because no one has an original idea anymore, or people just want to capitalize on some money. So, things that are coming back. Ren and Stimpy reboot gets the series order at Comedy Central. That's a thing. Don't wheeze on the electric fence. I, that I I oh I fucking love that skit so much. Um, <laughs> that was actually the first episode of Ren and Stimpy I ever watched. I just remember being like, I don't even know how old I was. I was a fucking kid, and I'm like, oh wow. Um, Animaniacs coming back, thirteen episodes. Oh, hello, nurse. Exactly, exactly. November twentieth on Hulu. That's gonna be fun to watch. And we made jokes about this, but it's actually happening, being turned into a movie. Night Rider. Oh gosh! <laughs> Come on, is David Hasselhoff gonna eat a hamburger off the floor? <laughs> Fucking love that video. Fucking oh love. man, this is nostalgic YouTube here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So Night Rider, you know, it's happening. They're remaking you know it for like a 20th I'm not time. enjoying right now. What are you not enjoying? I, I am enjoying it, but it, it is this nostalgic reboot of the Muppets now. I was I that was my next. Sec- yep. Go yeah. Ahead. Go I watched ahead. a second episode last night. They only had one skit with Kermit the Frog in it. And he was very on point with his voice for that one skit. Because the internet doesn't seem to like new Kermit. Right. And the interesting part is, is, you know, being the, the ever observant YouTuber that I am, I don't actually post anything. I absorb a lot. Um, some guy had, uh, and I, 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 I will try and link him in our show notes if I can find the video now, but somebody had brought up the point that the whole Steve Whitmire, here's, here's what happened. Jim Henson dies. All right. Tragically from septic shock or whatever it was. Jim Henson passes away. Jim Henson's kids go to a performer that's on the Muppets called, his name is Steve Whitmire. Steve, he kind of looks like a rock star. He's got long hair. You know, he was the voice of Wembley and Sprocket in Fraggle Rock. So he obviously spent a lot of time here in Toronto. Um, he, He graciously accepts the role of Kermit the Frog and performed him for 27 years post Jim Henson's death. And then Cheryl Henson, Brian Henson had asked him to do that. Cheryl Henson comes out with a bunch of statements a couple years ago. I'm not going to get too political about what went on, but basically 
the the statements were that uh, he was ruining Kermit, making him you know depressive and and whatnot. And really, when you look at the scripts that that were being produced for the Muppets, Kermit was in a weird spot. Yeah, it's not that that Steve Whitmire was portraying him as weird. It's he was freaking written as being in that spot. So anyhow, this guy gets gets basically lambasted for making suggestions to production people and whatnot since Disney's purchase of the Muppets. And they ousted him. They removed him from basically relieved him of his contract. They were about to enshrine him as a Muppet great and try to move things along that way. And they basically ousted him. So now we have a new guy. I think his name is Steve Vogel. Um, and, you know, full props. It's not one of these situations where people on the Internet don't need to go after the actor who is performing. Yeah. All right. But you can be upset that Kermit's voice is different. I'm trying to observe it from a viewpoint that, well, maybe it's an evolution for Kermit. I don't know. But it's kind of weird that we've had a character that's basically been around since the 70s that's all of a sudden changed. Yeah. And that's, you know, I sent you a video clip of the aged well of Family Guy <laughs> where different people are doing the voices. Yeah. And it stood up well, right? It's just like, it's just weird not hearing that tone from Kermit. You know, the the Jim Henson voice. And Steve could replicate it. And uh, I think Muppets now, I don't know how quick they are to edit. I don't know, like these can these shows have to be in the can, right? Because they're they're stars. They're trying to pitch it like it's every week it's fresh and it's new. Yeah. And it's, you know, individual pocket sized pieces that are sewn together this week type type feeling. Yeah. But obviously, you know, with guest stars and everything, it isn't that way. But I do wonder if they're going back and saying, hey, um, can we brush up the audio on this performance or can we make some changes for the fans in this Snyder Cut world that we're living in? Yeah. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Boris? I'm so here's the thing. You know, I still have not watched it, but I've, you know, read everything that you've said. Um, For me, I think. This is where fandom and geekdom gets a little toxic. We are not good with change. You know, as a as geeks, as fans, as whatever, as followers of something, we don't do well with change. Change has always brought on a lot of controversy to the point where people start getting death threats. Um, so I think that, you know, it's going to happen. Voices and voice actors are going to change. Voice actors might put a bit of their own spin on certain characters. And because of nostalgia, because we can't deal with change, you know, it just, we're instantly turned off. But I think this is a natural progression. As I'm talking, I just, you know, think of the day that Peter Cullen isn't the voice of Optimus and how that's going to go down, you know? For me, I guess yeah. it would be that. And, and it, well, here's the thing. You know, I think it's a little different because there's always different incarnations of Optimus. Meanwhile, Kermit the Frog is Kermit the Frog is Kermit the Frog. Mm-hmm. But it's just natural. Like, for me, it, it's not something that I'm going to freak out about. I think that people just need to calm down. Having said that, I think that, you know, 
I've also read that the show isn't performing well in the sense that fans aren't liking it as much. So I think that's adding to it. And people are just being incredibly nitpicky at this point and finding everything wrong that they humanly can with the show, including the voice actors and whatnot. Well, here's... I, I, I don't disagree with you, but I will shed this this aspect of it on there. Disney comes in, buys something, basically tries to revive it, dismantles that. Now it's trying to revive it again in a lesser format on Disney+. Plus. You know what? If you don't have the voice for Kermit, why not get new Bumpets on there? Yeah. Like, I, I'm sorry, but as a fan, you're freaking selling me my nostalgia. Yeah. And then when my nostalgia isn't rewarded, why don't you just change it then? He's, yeah. You know, he's Bob the Amphibian. I don't know. Like, yeah. there's got to be something there where you're not trying to take my nostalgia and exploit it and change it and tell me that I'm fucked up. I think that uh, that also plays a huge part about all of this is that these corporations, these companies are literally banking on our nostalgia at this point. Um, so I think, you know, as fans, as longtime fans, we should be rewarded to a certain extent. And that doesn't seem to be happening all too often nowadays. And Disney is probably the worst at this right now just because, you know, it's of everything that they own. And I think what to compound to it all, to add to it all, you know, throwing the the oil to the flame, the gas to the flame, as you would, as you people would say, is the fact that that I think a lot of people's fears of Disney buying the Muppets is coming true. Yeah, like between that and Star Wars. Yeah. I'm sorry, but like like they are double barreling it right now. Uh, the, 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 kudos to them. You know, if there's any company that can fix it, it's probably them. Um, and they've done a great job with the Marvel Universe and opening it up to casuals and everything like that, as yeah. we all know. You know, when they get things right, it's well done. And they do children's programs really well. Yeah. You know, Pixar, all that stuff. You know, they have successes. Is This isn't us bagging on Disney. But it is us bagging on Disney for the actual legitimate fears of fans that, you know, hell, we beat up Star Wars even when George Lucas was doing it. Yeah. Right? It was like the master was doing it and we still shit all over it. So, you know, certain franchises, you can't win. Right? And I think the Muppets are one of them. They tried to do that reboot for ABC, that show The Muppets. And they they tried to adult the characters, knowing that I'm a 40-something-year-old guy who fondly remembers the 70s show and is going to watch it. And, you know, Fozzie Bear is going to make bear jokes that refer to sexuality, you know, and things yeah. like that. And I found it hilarious. I can see maybe where it missed its mark because people don't tune into a show to watch that type of humor from their childhood, yeah, you know, icons. I get where that misses the mark, but man, it, this is this is weird. I, I the beaker and the and the Doctor Bunsen bit was pretty funny last night. There there are segments to the show that I really do enjoy. Um, I can see it being very divisive to the fan base, though. So is it? Does it feel like a SNL or a Mad TV with these various random skits and some hit, some miss? Well, that was like the original Muppet show, right? Yeah. It was a variety show. So 
you had the same type of format, which is why they hail this as a return to the roots of the Muppets, because you're going to have an act with a guest star on it. Yeah. You're going to have an act that's just Muppet driven. Danny Trejo was on last night doing a, a taco bit against the Swedish chef. Of course. Which I thought was hilarious because that dude's in his 70s and yeah. he still looks exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, I saw him working out down on Venice Beach once. <laughs> but anyhow, it, it, it gets back to that segmented five minute pop things and you know even as a kid i can rewatch the three seasons of the muppet show that they did put out on dvd yeah i can rewatch them and there's stuff that completely misses for me so i don't i don't try to be super hypercritical and expect bang on entertainment and only good memories flooding back i i accept that there's going to be misses yeah so you know it's funny because a lot of people credit disney for the whole getting it right with Marvel thing. You know? Yeah. And the more I think about this, the more reading I do, the more, you know, be, you know, quote unquote, behind the scenes, rumor and innuendo bullshit that you hear. Um, some of it true, some of it not true, you know, with creative differences and whatnot. I'm starting to think that Disney really had just, they were in the right place at the right time with the right people to get Marvel right. Yeah, it, it, it certainly sounds like they inherited certain production visions yeah. um, that were going in the right direction. And then they empowered, you know, they're lucky that they have uh, 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 Kevin Feige yeah. basically running that ship and steering it and giving the oversight necessary. And even being able to extend themselves over to Spider-Man and Sony uh, and, and able to interweave that. They've shown a lot of moxie, but they've been lucky, right? I, I, the more I'm in the same boat as you on that, because the more I see the dysfunction of the board and how Bob Iger maybe had some pretty on-point purchasing, yeah, some pretty good instincts when it came to assets inherited, and some pretty good ideas with Disney+. Plus. I can also see the wheels coming off right now with, you know, as we're going to discuss this Mulan situation, I can see the wheels coming off on this Lucasfilm situation. Now they can fix it and they know they can, or they're going to have to, but there, there are some, some pretty bad points that are showing their heads here where the company grew too fast. Yeah. Look at the whole Marvel TV uh, Marvel films fiasco and when they split up, you know, it caused huge controversy. This whole everything's connected kind of fell apart. Um, and, yeah. and now, you know, Feige is in charge of TV again. So that's why you have the MCU shows, you know, like Wanda and Vision, um, <clears throat> Bucky and, and, and Falcon and things like that. But it's more MCU and it's not ABC, it's Disney Plus with that HBO um, budget. So, yeah. a little different. Um, and for me, I think that once the TV shows start coming out, and more importantly, once the new phase starts, we're going to see Marvel for what it actually is. We're going to see what's actually, you know, can they maintain the integrity and 
can they maintain kind of the luck that they've had over the past decade? I think we're going to see some rough water. I really do. I think you take two things. You're, you're putting that to the test. Kevin Feige is apparently in charge of Star Wars in some capacity too. So I think he's way overextended. Um, so you're going to test that. But you're also testing Disney on this pandemic front. Yeah. And, you know, it's no secret that that this whole James Gunn situation with Guardians of the Galaxy 3 has really messed up that new phase of programming as well because now they're having to reorder and reslate everything because I believe they wanted to kind of open the phase with uh, uh, Guardians new version 3. And that's obviously because of Suicide Squad having to be delayed and then Pandemic World delaying it even more. So yeah. I think that it throws a lot of monkey wrenches in there. I wouldn't want to be Sony or uh, Disney right now. It's definitely going to be a challenging uh, bit of water to navigate. Yeah, and, we and don't, you know, the fan expectations on everything else. Yeah, fans, yeah. Just like that aside, it's going to be really rough waters for them in the sense of trying to get everything right. And we don't know exactly how the new Disney Plus TV shows actually interact with the entire MCU. So they're like they are playing such a balancing act right now, trying to make sure that everything still aligns properly, makes sense. So timing right now is just like insane. So with Black Widow being pushed out until who knows when, you know, who knows what repercussions Black Widow was going to have to the MCU shows and to the mainline MCU movies. Um, and vice versa. So, you know, I think yeah. that would every, like, I don't think we know to what extent this pandemic has really ruined their initial plans. I, I don't hold a lot of hope with Disney on any front where they say that things are going to be interweaved beyond some heavy handed bullcrap. Yeah. Because they promised the same thing in Star Wars and it all went out the window within one movie. You know, so I'm just like, hang on. So how many millions of dollars are you spending on books, on comics, on XYZ toys, merchandising, writing? And then you just pitch it right out the window because a director comes along and says, I, I don't like the way that she acts. Yeah. You know, now we have to fundamentally change the character for the screen in order to make it work in my vision. And that, you know, then so then Disney are just like, ah, screw it. It's just fans. Yeah. You know, there's nobody sitting up top looking at it. And I, 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 no disrespect to Kevin Feige, but I just can't see him overseeing those things beyond them being points in a, in a, a, a PowerPoint presentation. Make sure that, uh, uh, Captain America throws, uh, 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 this shield this way because yeah. we're going to link that to the movie. Yeah. Like, yeah, I just don't get it. I, yeah. I can't see it happening. I think that Disney got cocky and are cocky and that um, cockiness went into the Star Wars universe because they're like, well, we can do no wrong. So they did whatever they wanted to do without really listening to the fans or not, not necessarily that they should listen to the fans all the time, yeah. but they pretty much shat on the fans intelligence um, in many aspects. Uh, and it's like, well, people eat it up for Marvel, so they're going to eat it up for this. I think that they never really realized the types and differences in the fandoms 
and what people are going to accept and what people aren't going to accept. Because the main difference between the MCU and Star Wars is that the MCU is creating a lot of new fans. And for the first time, a lot of comic book fans are getting the movies that they thought they deserved when they were children on the big screen. So they're just eating it up. And now we're seeing some resistance, but for the longest time, people were just happy finally getting those movies like we talked about with Matt. It's about time, you know, that we see these characters that we've been reading since we were kids finally get their time in the big screen. So we kind of just accepted stuff. But with Star Wars, you had a firm fan base, a fan base that has already been disappointed with the prequel trilogy. And you can't you know, undermine the intelligence of any fan, but especially a Star Wars fan who has seen the ups and the downs of their franchise. Yeah, and I do accept the fact, though, too, that you can take a Star Wars movie and you can make it for a different audience, like we had discussed. You know, there are times when, you know, you can go back and watch Phantom Menace and you realize what a stink bomb of a movie that was, but it wasn't made for me. Right. I get it. I, I I can accept that. I am having a tough time categorizing what the new films, who they're for. Yeah. Because it's not for new fans. It's pissing off old fans. And it's just listless, as we've identified. It, it has no guiding direction, oversight that's needed with a franchise like this. They should have had all three movies mapped out. They should have had all three movies written. And then you can change your director all you want at that point. But you're telling them, here's your script. You know, if you want to accept this, uh, accept it. If you don't, don't. If you want to make some changes, they have to be discussed. Because there's repercussions in the third act or the third story, whatever. And it just seems like everything was off the cuff. You know, whether it be Kathleen Kennedy, directors, whoever, I don't know the responsibility chain there, but I do know it's a dog pile of crap. Once you get out of the Force Awakens and like Rogue One and maybe Solo too, because it just, you know, it's just fun. But Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker both suffered as films. And I, I read this morning about a fan that posted the most ridiculous moment out of Rise of Skywalker with over 6,000 responses on uh, Reddit. And it's basically the moment that Ray pulls that little thing out of the knife and identifies the cartographer's map on the Death Star ruins. So, number one, why the hell are there Death Star ruins? It blew up. Pieces of it shouldn't be falling. It exploded. Yeah. Right? That kind of explosion melts metal. Like, we're talking, you know, there's a pretty, pretty good argument about that. So I'm like... Enter 9-11 conspiracy theories. Yeah, it it didn't blow up in in the actual atmosphere, you know. So you can go after science and whatnot. You know, the same science was applied to Last Jedi when the bombs dropped. Why is there gravity in space? Yeah. Right. And it's just, well, they're magnetic bombs, of course. Yeah. Well, why don't they stick to the ship they're dropping out of? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, it can go on for days and days. But apparently, this cartographer's map and the whole premise that there's going to be that exact wreckage made thousands of years ago in the ancient language of the Sith with a dagger that Luke Skywalker was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> 
Amazing. Just all of a sudden, the fans are like, what? Star Wars is, is fake? <laughs> as fake as wrestling, baby. As fake as wrestling. It's entertainment, boys and girls. Enjoy it for what it is. <laughs> Speaking of entertainment, enjoying things, and fans, there's another uh, base that, you know, we don't talk about as much. Be- well, outside of one particular director. And that's DC. And on August 22nd, at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, for 24 hours, they are having the DC Fandom. Oh, yeah. DCKidsFandom.com, where you'll be able to enjoy events in nine different languages, and limited information is out. So, essentially, it's a virtual con, a virtual event, with various, I guess, domes or rooms um and they're gonna try very hard on this immersion trying to best recreate the interactive experience of a normal convention in the digital space they're gonna have 100 plus hours of programming you only have 24 hours to do this but 100 plus hours of programming (laughs) will be organized in six locations within the fandom so you have the hall of heroes that's going to be the epicenter of the DC fandom. The Hall of Heroes will feature special programming panels and new content from upcoming DC projects. You have the Watchverse. Entering the Watchverse takes you to a busy street in the fandom's theater district where you can roam storefronts, alleys, rooftops, and the district's four theaters, the Monarch, Athena, Candor, and McDuffie's Dakota. Here you can also experience more panels world premiere screenings and more plus mcduffie's dakota named after legendary comic book writer Dwayne mcduffie features the blurred and the and bougie house with cosplay fan art you have the u-verse like the title suggests this island spotlights fan art cosplay and user generated content from around the world you have the insider verse where you can go behind the scenes with the artisans oh, from gosh. DC's comic books, games, TVs, movies, theme parks, consumer products, and more. You have the Funverse. Explore the Batcave, purchase exclusive products and collectibles, and read free digital comics. And then you have the Kidverse. In addition to visiting the Batcave ah. here, younger DC fans can also experience the Teen Titans Tower and DC Superhero Girls Sweet Justice Cafe. Um... So yeah, it's it's going to be an interactive event with various rooms, various panels, various uh, guest appearances. We're going to finally get more information on The Rock's Black Adam. We're going to finally get more information on James Gunn's Suicide Squad. And I'm pretty sure we're going to see bullshit about Zack Snyder's Justice League cut. Hey man, I, I can't wait to see the Kidverse when they show Harley da- the, the Harley show. <laughs> Kaylee Kuko! Swearing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I kid, I kid. No, this is what it feels like to be a GoBots fan. <laughs> it's just, you get the shit, man. <laughs> the lead paint toys. Yeah, well, welcome to DC, everybody. Like, honestly, it's such a, when they do the individual things, sometimes DC stuff works. I hope this works. Honestly, we need to figure something out. For these conventions in this in this time, um, you know, I saw a phone launch with an AR, uh, augmented reality show. 
yeah. which was pretty interesting, right? Where you're able to see the device rotating in front of you and stuff like that. There's a lot of creativity that's going out there and a lot of production time. This this seems like just a it, it reeks of look at us. You know, there's downtime. There's a lot of eyes that are bored. Come read our comics. Uh, you know, there's obviously a great history of of great stuff, but I can just see the kid verse right now. Mommy, Daddy, why does the Joker like to do stuff to her? I don't know. It's just there's it's such an adult and complicated universe in so many ways, right? Like yep. all the characters you look at Batman, you look at the relationship with Superman, you look at all that stuff. Even Aquaman, where does he poop? I'm it's just going to ignore that. Which DC TV shows are going to be there? The list includes Batwoman, Black Lightning, DC Superhero Girls, DC Legends of Tomorrow, DC Stargirl, Doom Patrol, The Flash, Harley Quinn, Lucifer, Supergirl, Superman, and Lois, Teen Titans Go, Titans, Watchmen, and Young Justice Outsiders. Oh. And in regards to movies, we're going to get more news on Aquaman, Black Adam, The Snyder Cut, Shazam, Suicide Squad and Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to some of those. Yeah, sure. You know, Shazam was great. I I, I it earned my money because it was comedic. It was fun. Shot in Toronto. Yeah, so we are gonna get the first trailer to the Snyder Cut. Woohoo! Oh, you know, in other news. The uh, first trailer for Dune is coming out before September. Speaking of Dune, they right now are in a, and I love how we're just zipping through that. They right now are in a major time crunch in order to be released on time. So uh, the director, Denis Villeneuve, he's in Montreal. He's trying to coordinate the editing room from various places and various locations. So I'm sure that's been fun, you know, trying to learn how to do a job like that remotely with remote people. He's also trying to reschedule uh, some reshoots. And now that reshoots are allowed in Los Angeles, he's going to try to get that done. But they, again, are on a very tight schedule. And it is still slated for release this December. Can't wait. Yeah. You know, like we got some good movies coming out. I'll, I'll rope Wonder Woman 1984 into there. I'll put the the Dune in there. I'll put the Suicide Squad two coming yep. up soon. Yep. There's a there's a lot of fun stuff happening. Um, you know, I, I'm excited to see this first trailer that they're boasting about on the internet. Um, so we, apparently that got finished on Wednesday or Thursday this week. Hmm. So it's um it's looking good. You know, there's there's it's a tough time though, like you say. I don't know. I, I hope that these projects don't suffer because of these compromises that have to be made for life now. But yeah, it's just you know, sometimes that change might be good. Yeah, so that's, there have been my your your my change management for, yeah. for geeks. There you go. There's been a lot of talk and rumors, speculation about Hulu and what Disney's plans are for Hulu internationally. Well, we're starting to get a little glimpse of what is actually going down and what Disney is thinking about doing. So in 2021, Disney is going to launch a star-branded streaming service that includes content from ABC, FX, Freeform, Searchlight, and 20th Century Studios. 
Hmm. So it's going to Is be it coming a- to Canada. No Dude. word yet. Um, but essentially the reason why they're doing this is because they feel that star has more of a brand recognition around the world as opposed to Hulu. Um, and that way they can also, I guess, because of contracts and whatnot, bring content from various services, mm-hmm. um, and, and get that launched. But yeah, there right now is no, um, no word where this is going to be launched, what <laughs> so, date it's going to be launched. Just sometime in 2021. So, yay, there's another another company going to want a monthly payment. It's so Disney I can watch, again. Like Dis- Bob's Burgers. Yep, Disney has <laughs> two streaming services now. Yeah, and we knew that that was part of the case. Like, they were already invested in Hulu. And then when they completed the, the purchase of Fox, they became the, the sole owners. They were even boasting that they were going to bring Hulu to Canada. And then yep. it just never really showed up. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it is unfortunate because we've siloed all of this content and it's just like the video game wars and everything like that. If you want to be a part of it, you got to go buy into it. And, you know, as far as the convenience of streaming, otherwise you can just do like I did and buy the entire 10 seasons of Bob's Burgers on YouTube or AKA uh, Google Play. And I can go watch that thing whenever I want, you know, so, so assuming they don't revoke my digital media rights on it. So yeah, gotta um, we've got to see what happens with Google Play Music. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But sticking with Disney and Disney streaming services on the flip side. Phil, do you have a five year plan in life? Do I? Yeah, you just yeah, have live. Yes. Yeah, live. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't mean that. Are you going to be alive in five years? Does mean do you have like a five year plan in life? Generally speaking, uh, of of course, you know you have goals. Yeah. You have expectations. You have you have milestones. You know, I, do I meet them every five years? That's a question. Does anybody? I That's don't know. A, do you? I I think I do. I don't even know. Yeah. I have a five hour plan right now, and even my five hour plan is going to shit. Because, anyways, um. <laughs> I know it, it all depends on hot sauce and toilets. I get it. Disney <laughs> had a five-year, eight-year plan for Disney Plus, and they've already surpassed it. Disney Plus wow. has passed 60.5 million subscribers, and it's reached their five-year streaming goal in the first eight months. Good for them. I wish that it would work on my PlayStation 4 properly. I've been having a lot of I, issues with the apps recently. Disney and Amazon, it's been they've been really bad. I I find Disney Plus is absolutely horrible on the PlayStation. It's okay on the Xbox. I've even complained to them on Twitter. Yeah, they they don't seem to fix it. So, um, good for them. That that's great that they they had targets. They exceeded those targets. Um. I, I think that that's a challenge growing that platform to meet that demand. But I also foresee that such a, such a big amount of success is, as we will discuss is probably going to, to crash down a little bit with their new strategies regarding new releases and charging people, you know, a lot of money, $30 USD. Yeah. So that's like 40 bucks Canadian. Yeah. So you can watch a movie. Well, you know, and are they going to do it with Black Widow? Ah, 
it's a weird plot a spot to be in for Disney. Yep. You know? They're it's, setting it's, a very interesting precedence right now. You know, yep. here's a movie that's been delayed a lot. We're going to give it to you. You're going to have to pay extra on top of your streaming service fee. And then we have another very popular franchise in Black Widow that we haven't made up our minds yet. Yeah, it'll uh, obviously depend on how well received yeah, or how much clearly. money clearly. they can see that they make off of something like Mulan. And you know what? Again, the kid-based stuff hits a market, and I can understand the strategy. It's the same as doing what happened Rolls. with Trolls 2. Yep. You know, parents might look at that and go, yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm going to rent or purchase this film just so um, – the kids are entertained and they stop the the chatter or whatnot. You know, they get something new. Yeah. You know, like mommy and daddy get to have some wine or whatever the situation may be. Wine. Yes. Wine. Yes. Wine. Yeah. But uh, it's again, I don't know. I'm uh, My faith in Disney has been shaken. Yes. My it's faith definitely in Disney, a weird spot. It's, I've, I've always been walking in eggshells with them. It's always been a, I've been optimistic, but a pessimistic optimistic with how they're uh, doing things. Now, we're going to get into in-depth discussion about all of that on Wednesday's show with Tyler. So make sure to subscribe, re-download, and download the new episode on Wednesday because we're going to be talking about Mulan. We're going to be talking about theaters. We're going to be talking about Paramount. We're going to be talking about AMC's new strategy. And just to give you a glimpse, AMC has apparently said that, hey, by the way, uh, prices are going to likely be going up when theaters reopen. But we'll talk about all of that on Wednesday. Um, one thing I do want to talk about as we're reaching the hour mark and kind of coming up to a close that's a trailer that Phil sent me for Ridley Scott's HBO Max series, Raised by Wolves. I don't even know what the fuck I watched, but I am in 100%. Yeah, it's it's a good, you know, it looks good. Yeah, trailers always look good, though, right? Not always. Trailers are, yeah, true enough. When they're bad, they're bad. Yep. But they, always, they can make bad stuff look good. Yes. Um, but it is Ridley Scott. I don't know. This is kind of... A trope for me because every time I say to myself, oh, it's Ridley Scott. Come on. He's responsible for Blade Runner. He's responsible for Alien. How can he get it wrong? And then I watch something and I go, what a log of shit that was. Don't like it. Um, but this show does look look good. You know, it, it came out within an hour of it coming out. I sent you the trailer for it. It, it hit my, my little, my newsy stuff. And uh, good for HBO Max, you know. Um, and hopefully it uh, just shows up on Crave up here and we can just watch it because we don't get HBO Max. Not that I really want a $16.99 additional service charge. Um, yeah, it uh, looks like it might be fun. Yep, so it's premiering on HBO Max on Thursday, September 3rd, Raised by Wolves centers on two androids tasked with raising human children on a mysterious virgin planet. We'll see. It looks really fucked up, really good, but just like there's said, parts that I liked, and there were parts that made me cringe, though. Yeah, like this the, whole little wolf, little wolf, and their little pigs, and yeah. building the houses out of straw and stuff. I'm like, it was a little too. The metaphor was a little too thinly it was, veiled. It was way in your face. It was too in your face. <laughs> so I do have concerns here. 
wait, wait, you know, and as well, it's kids. Yeah. You know, it, I, I don't know where production values go with a horror based kid show. <laughs> it's just, the more I think about it, the more weird it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> Ridley Scott, kids, big little, uh, three little pigs. I don't even know. But hey, I'm in. I'm sold. Yeah, sign me up. Yeah, let, let, let's check this thing out. <laughs> All right. So Rocksteady has announced that they are releasing a new Suicide Squad game. Rocksteady, as you know, developed the Batman Arkham series, and now they are working on a Suicide Squad Suicide game, Suicide Squad game boris get your shit together um and we are going to get more info on august 22nd during fandom looks cool i'm sold because Good it's studio. steady yeah great studio yeah they they actually managed to make a, a comic book ip game that worked yeah it's very rare that that happens you, you've had yeah. occasional wins but I maintain that the best comic book at that adaption turned video game is still Maximum Carnage on Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo. Oh, the old Genesis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we've talked about this in the past. And it in relation to console releases and the games at console release time. So PlayStation yeah. 5 has announced 83 games at release window. Not release date, not day one, but the release window. So kind of like the first quarter of it being released. 83 games. And as I'm going and scrolling down the list, maybe two or three games are actual games that I would buy. And you also have the games or the titles that are going to update. Yeah. Right? So like Doom Eternal... They're included in this uh, in this eighty three. Right. So Assassin's Creed, Doom, Destiny, Grand Theft Auto, um, oh. you know, shit like that. All of that is included in this list. Avengers, things like that. Eighty three games Ugh. in total. I heard this Avengers game is really stinky. I've heard horrible things about the beta. Horrible things. <laughs> I'm not touching it. I was gonna I was gonna download it, and I'm like, you know, there's a there, there was a little run there with Last of Us Two, and Ghost of Tsushima, that you know, it was too good to believe that these games are coming out and they're this good. And I'm like, there's gonna be a shit ball coming at us, and it's gonna be Avengers. <laughs> you know, I, the the next game that I buy, I think, is going to be Vader Immortal for VR. Yes, that game you know, looks just, so good. You know, I've been dying for that. So, um. Yeah, 83 games, man. That's a lot. Like, yep. And a lot of them are going to be garbage. I hate to tell everybody, but these are developers that are struggling through either porting or understanding even the hardware and the, the, the workarounds and whatnot. Because if you look at the games that are on point right now, they are head and shoulders above what was originally released on these platforms seven years ago. They are miles ahead ever since God of War, you know, and, and you look at the Forza Horizon series and stuff like that on Xbox, 
they're miles ahead of where they were because they know how to work the hardware. They know how to program for it. They know the intricacies of, of developing for it. Now we've got new beasts on the block, which are super powerful and super fast for load times and all this stuff, but that's going to mess up game dynamics. That's going to mess up pacing. That's going to mess up a lot of stuff on developer side. And I, I just get the feeling, this is just a general feeling that I have about game production studios like Ubisoft and Bethesda and, and all these places. They don't really have a stellar reputation uh, seemingly for communication within their companies. Oh, God, no. Like it seems like like each studio just takes their little bit, does their shit, and throws it back in the pot, and you get these Frankenstein stitched together games or experiences that don't really play well. Yeah, you know. But you have other studios that obviously do well, like CD Projekt Red and, and stuff like that, where they they seem to all be on the same same level and communicating. Yeah, but uh, with a lot of these. A lot of these developers, man, I don't know how that translates when you got new hardware. Like, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. And we're going to suffer as consumers because there's going to be a lot of, I think, what was the stinker for me off of Xbox One was this um, Roman game called Rise, R-Y-S-E. And it looked good, but it played like shit. Right. And the order eighteen eighty six or whatever on Sony, again looked great. Had this great genre, but it was a lot of disjointed cameras, a lot of button mashing, like press X seventy thousand times a second now, in order to advance a story. I I find that that's lazy gaming. Don't yeah. like that. Yeah, so we'll see. You know, again, systems at launch. I'm super hyped for PlayStation Five and even Xbox to a certain extent. But then when you actually start thinking about it, it's like, well, what the fuck am I going to be playing on this? I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. You know, GTA 5, man. GTA 5. You know what's amazing? That GTA, like a new Grand Theft Auto game, hasn't even come out for PlayStation 4 Xbox One. They've just rehashed GTA 5. Seven years. Yep, seven years. To be fair, that studio has created Red Dead Redemption 2. Which is a shit game. Yeah, but you can you can be in the West and light a campfire. <laughs> Boris, come on, man. Matches. Right. Digital matches, man. It's like digital jazz. It's happening. It's jazz, all right. <laughs> a bunch of bullshit. I got so bored with together. that game. It looks so beautiful. Yeah, but, yeah. Oh, it man. does, but yeah, not not the game for me. Um Last week, we were talking a lot about Xbox Game Pass and Xbox Live Gold. And Microsoft is like, whoa, everyone hold on. Xbox Live Gold is not going anywhere. Everyone needs to calm down. But this goes back to something that we were talking about on the last episode. Microsoft cannot fucking control their own messaging. They have zero idea what the fuck they're doing. It's their product. Yeah. We, we, bloggers, podcasters, are reporting the news that they give us. We're not making hey. anything up. We're not talking on speculation. We are literally going by what they're telling us. And they're going back and forth on what they're telling us. 
This is like yeah, the man. third, fourth week in a row that they've done this, and they've backpedaled after talking and releasing info. Yeah, like you can't buy an Xbox Live Gold membership for a year right now. Yeah, like as far as I know, the cards like that—that that was the report, right? So here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. They screwed up the Xbox One release, basically in the same haphazard way. It was like watching a blindfolded person trying to navigate a room full of Lego toys on the ground. Yeah. All right. They're just stepping and stubbing their toes and screaming out swear words every time they twist and turn. And now they're doing it again, not only with their subscription services, but also with the Xbox Series X. Not only... Is it a bad release? Not only did they screw up the Xbox One release, but somehow they've managed to make the Xbox Xbox Series X release that much worse. Yeah. Like, this This should be coordinated, effective, like, like marketing machine-tuned distribution. And instead, it's just looking like, you know, Microsoft are not, you know, they're they're a big company, all right? They're looking at buying TikTok now. They've got billions and billions and billions of dollars. I get it. They're a big company, and they do come across as pretty slick on their business enterprise level. But this home consumer division looks like, like this video game division looks like it doesn't know which way is up. When it comes to, you know, I don't know if it's Phil Spencer. I don't know what, but I'm, it's weird. It's really weird. There's every, clearly there are silos everywhere within the company. There's not one person in charge of these products, um, getting the right message across, giving us bloggers, podcasters, news reporters the right message, and then they have to backpedal, which makes it seem that much worse. And I, it's just for me, I, I just can't. I'm taking then you know taking a step back and looking at what they're trying to think of and trying to do with this whole cross-platform gaming. And like we were talking about on our last show, the whole mobile gaming experience and how now Apple (laughs) has basically said, hold your horses. That goes against our terms of services. Fuck you. And then you have a lot of other companies saying, well, good on you, but we're not picking this up for you at Microsoft. So, Microsoft right now, while they are trying to do new things, expand their services and offerings, somehow they're just fumbling the ball left, right, and center. What What's your take on the whole, you know, cross-platform mobile gaming experience that probably won't happen, that's going to probably be DOA because of terms and services? Well, I think it certainly does threaten on the iOS side because that's like 60 or 40% yeah. of the market, right? Yeah. We're looking at 60% Android, 40% iOS. Um, it, it, it basically, they, they're prohibitive against Microsoft even developing on it. Yeah. So it, it really comes down to developer tools. Did you see what they did with Samsung this week? Yes. Yeah. So now they're launching exclusive controllers or controller mounts for the Samsung Note series. Hey, I got one of those. And um, they're they're going to be packaging in the Xbox Game Pass with that. So obviously they're partnering up with a hardware manufacturer. 
and they're going to be trying to deliver some type of experience. Um, September, it drops onto my console. Yeah. I'm eagerly anticipating watching it. I'm watching people around the world complaining about PlayStation Now and its streaming service that it's laggy. And I'm curious what happens with these games that are in much higher resolutions and, you know, here's the thing data throughput. I've played PlayStation now for the past 10 days or so, and I've played mainly PlayStation 3 games. I'm catching up on the Uncharted games. I somehow miss, and it's not that I, you know, I own those games for PlayStation 3. I never played them because the 3D graphics and the coloring and the rendering and the FPS made my head hurt on a lot of PlayStation 3 games. I don't have that issue with PlayStation 4, but on PS3, I for sure did have that issue. So anyways, point is, I'm catching up on gaming right now, overall. And like I said, my internet is wishy-washy, and I had few issues. The only times I've ever had issues is when on PlayStation, I'm downloading something like an update, or because I had to redo my hard drive, you know, I'm still downloading some games. So, you know, I can't do a download and play on PS now. But outside of that, I've had zero issues. And in my parents' place, where my PS4... At home, I have zero issues. At my parents' place, where there are almost 20 devices connected on our Wi-Fi, zero issues. Now, the whole streaming thing is going to be interesting. And I've talked about this in regards to Google Stadia. And that's internet here in North America is okay. We're lucky that we have working internet. Hell, we're lucky that we're in Toronto and the Toronto area and that we have working internet. But as soon as you leave a, you know, a metropolis area, you're fucked. Third world countries are fucked. And if this is kind of the future of gaming, well, you're kind of prohibiting gaming to a lot of markets at this point because internet is only getting worse as graphics as bandwidth increases you know just to stream 4k takes that much more so our internet is actually not improving per se because the quality of everything is so you know i think we're going to be hit a wall very soon and I think that wall is going to be the end of this year. Next year, where Game Pass, PS Now, Stadia, whatever, just won't be good enough because of the internet service that exists for the average person. Okay. In regards to this, have you heard of this guy called Elon Musk? Yeah. I may have you, once or twice. You see his new little project? Yeah. It's interesting. Explain now, to our listeners what this... Well... I, yeah. It's something called Starlink, I believe. So what he's doing is, like, just the other night, he launched another few hundred satellites or something up into space off of one of his Falcon 9 rockets. And basically all these things take up an orbit around the planet, and they're destroying nighttime photography celestial photography yeah. uh, because these things like reflect light yep. so they they catch the sun or the you know moon and stuff like that and they 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 emit light <clears throat> they're trying to solve that but 
the idea here is that they're in a certain geosynchronous orbit. They're each satellite's talking to another satellite through laser beams. All right. Laser. It's like sharped with laser beams on their heads. All right. Except these are satellites. So anyhow, they beam the internet and it reduces lag because here's the funny thing. You know, we've got these huge under ocean coils that connect Europe to, to New York for stock exchange, internet, all the stuff. Yeah. And if those things get clogged or there's certain parameters here on earth where physics works in one way, it doesn't necessarily work the same way in space. So internet gets faster. Star Wars begs to differ. What's that? Star Wars begs to differ. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um, so anyhow, what ends up happening is they're going to be able to service these places. The thing is, is that in the developing countries, there's not the appetite nor the economy for these services or that changes drastically. Yeah. You know, what costs us $16 a month here for Game Pass might be 30 cents a, a month in a developing world, right? But the point is, is that mobile, like we brought up, in our last episode mobile is huge and that's why microsoft are going in on samsung that's why xcloud is such a key component because if you can get onto people's handheld devices and you can stream there are billions of people with handheld devices so that's money yeah and that's the thing for services here's the thing you're right in the sense that your market share can increase drastically. BlackBerry's strategy, I guess I can talk about this now. It's been years, whatever. Um, Their strategy was exactly that, hitting India, hitting Indonesia, hitting those countries where, you know, they rely on their mobile phones because the internet is wishy-washy at best or non-existent. You know, so hit up these developing countries where everyone has a phone, and your market share will eventually just go up naturally. Now, that's, you know, and, and, and that's a great strategy. But in regards, you know, but I'm not sure if this is going to work in the gaming realm per se. I'm not convinced. I'm not 100% convinced yet. I think it's dangerous for gamers right now because yes. we are used to, as far as console and probably a little bit of PC. I know PC is a different animal. Um, but we're used to games being built and structured and delivered in a certain way. The mobile market isn't going to be that uh, uh, adherent yeah. to its past. It's going to be more flash, quick grab, pay-to-play, pay-to-upgrade type of gaming. It's it's crap. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the FIFA of gaming you know what i mean of gaming for mobile it's just going to be oh you know you want to you want to get this pack of cards and get these players in order to beat you know better chances next time it's it's going to be fundamentally shift now the streaming thing is interesting but again i just don't know that the appetite for people i don't really want to play freaking last of us 2 on my cell phone exactly you know, I want to put my headset on or fire up my sound and put it on my 4K TV and enjoy it. I don't know. This gets back to that whole director cut or director experience in the theaters versus watching your stupid Irishman on your on your iPad. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? It is. It is. A, it's going to creep in here too, where developers going to say this game was meant to be played with 3D audio on a screen in a resolution, not in a park over 5G with your pocket-sized Xbox Rumble controller. Yep. <laughs> it's just. It's going to be interesting. Then technology is a huge catalyst in all this. You know, if you go everywhere and the internet is just there, you know, the reason why in some of these developing markets and uh, or like hugely developed markets like India and whatnot, the reason why cell phones are prolific there, number one, cell phones get down to like $70 there. It's the, the, yeah. the company's price to the regions. Yeah. And number two, it's easier to maintain a cell network in those countries than it is to actually run the infrastructure needed for wired internet. Exactly. And now we're moving to wireless internet. So it's, it's, it's a bit of a game changer. And I'm really happy that you brought up the fact that it's all about your internet connection. And from an IT standpoint, people don't understand this. They want to blame the application. They want to blame the service. Hey, I played, you know, X Cloud, and it was shit. I played Stadia, and it was shit because it laggy, all that stuff. They don't realize it's their network connection or the distance of their yep. network connection that's causing the lag. It's how many hops. It's how much, you know, it, it, it. The internet is a really complicated thing, and I, like, Boris and I are looking at each other right now over an internet connection, and it's awesome, but it's also a little laggy. Because there's a lot of stuff going on yep. for that connection. And people don't get that. They they blame the app. Oh. They blame the service. And that's a huge reckoning point if, for people. You know, we have server farms all around the world. But if for some reason you're located, let's say here in Toronto or in the East Coast, and for one reason or another, your the server that you're connecting to, you know, is California, for example. That's a lot it has to travel. And there could, could, there could very well be a communication issue from here to there that we don't know about, but I've seen Packet it. Packet loss. Exactly. So it, it, yeah. these things are all things that we have to consider. And just like you said, yeah, we can blame the system itself. But this is my whole point about I think technologically we're going to be hitting a wall and IT professionals are going to have to really rush and try to think of solutions that will, you know, fix a lot of these issues. Um, you know, and, and, and these issues have been prolific for the past five years with AWS and cloud computing and, and SaaS enterprise solutions. You know, a lot of IT companies now are mandating SaaS solutions because, well, I think a lot of people realize that IT departments kind of shit the bed and internal networks aren't the best. And right now, right now, the internet in my opinion, has been shit for the past six months because everyone yep. seems to be working from home. Everyone's connecting in different spots. Um, you know, companies like Netflix and all those, like we've mentioned in the past, they've had to bring down the quality just so that they keep the service up and running. So, yeah, you know. It's really hard to find on YouTube. It, it I have proven that my internet connection is doing it. Uh, 4K at 60 frames per second. Yeah. Very difficult, though. It is. Uh, for a while there, they, they, they refused that. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're just. Uh, starting... it, it, it does, in fact, you are correct. It, it's impacting the world because it's distrib 
changing the distribution of the data instead of going on to these huge backbones that maybe your workplace has already installed. And yes, you're right. A lot of places don't didn't do a good job. I know where I am. We did a great job internally, but now it's really difficult trying to satisfy people on that work from home front because yep. it's a challenge. It, it's lots of hops, lots that's of, lots of that, stuff. That's the issue that I'm facing at work myself right now. It's, you know, trying to connect to an enterprise level SaaS solution or sorry, not even a SaaS solution, an enterprise level solution deployed on-prem you know, with so many people, various locations, and the server is located in one place. Every, you know, we're, and, and, and people are blaming my company, the company I work for, I should say. And unfortunately, you know, hey, we have to take a look at the corporate infrastructure and kind of see what's happening. And we, like, it takes us weeks and, like, hours upon hours upon hours of meetings to try to prove to a customer, hey, it's your network. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and I'm just extending this and the way that my customers act to how consumers will act when it comes to gaming, because gamers are very fickle people. If it's not running, you know, at whatever, 4K or 8K, you know, God, a thousand frames per second, people are going to get pissed and all up in arms. So... This is why, because of technology, because of the fickleness of fans, because of so many reasons, I think we're really going to hit a wall with this mobile gaming world. That's just my prediction. And again, I it's hope just I'm gonna wrong. Sink. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. But I know. hope it works too. But Stadia is already proving that it doesn't. That's you can't it's... satisfy that customer. Yep. <clears throat> And I think that you're just going to see companies back off of pushing this type of technology. Yep. And I think for that's that... why you're seeing physical consoles being released. They're like coinciding with this because yeah. they probably know it's going to fail. And that is why Xbox is still offering their Xbox Gold service because <laughs> I don't think they're convinced internally that what they they have planned with Game Pass and you know the X Cloud and all that fun stuff is actually going to work. The way that Xbox the Game Pass is working right now is perfect for me because it maintains my gold membership. I get my my games that I want to download or whatever off of gold. I've been on it for 17 years now. Um, and as well, you get to download like the Netflix of games. You just have to download them. You can't stream them. Yeah. Adding this streaming is, is nice, but I don't think fundamentally it's going to change the way I use the service. Yeah. So as long as I got that component covered, I'm happy, you know? Yeah. I can go and download, you know, smaller developers or even big game days like Halo Infinite. Yeah, I'll download that. And that's the thing. Yeah, I think if you have the ability to download these games and it's on your hard drive and it'll run properly, that's one thing. I think the whole streaming thing, and that's kind of where PS Now is a little iffy. Um, you know, they are offering downloads, but, you know, it's it's far overall, it's few and far in between what you can actually download. Uh, so, you know, I think just as a test, and I'll report back in our next news episode, and I'm going to try to stream Doom Eternal, or Doom, um, whatever, the, the the latest Doom game, it's on PS now. I'm going to see, because I know that game is, like, you know, graphic, heavy, intense, and I'm going to see what yeah, my internet Doom. connection, the first Doom, yeah, and I'm going to yeah. see what my internet connection does, and I'll report back. Like I said, I've had zero issues, but I have been playing PS3 games um, you know, I'm, I've been playing catch up, like I said, but I'll, uh, 
try a PS4 game, stream it, and see what happens. And like PS Now, you know, just like Game Pass, you do have the option to download the games, but not every game has that option. For whatever reason, you know, contracts are a hell of a thing and agreements. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Before we'll anybody see. Uh, calls me out for complaining about Disney Plus streaming issue where I blame the app, the reason why I blame the app is because it doesn't happen with other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that, you know, my, my troubleshooting has, has determined that their app programming for PlayStation is crap. That's why I say it's good on the Xbox. It's good yeah. on my phone. No, PlayStation doesn't even have a Crave app, so go figure. Yeah. All right. You know, Phil, I think it's that time of day where you tell our listeners how they can get a hold of us. All right. Well, if you're looking for us on that website type thing, we're at www.itscanonpodcast.com. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, we are at It's Canon Podcast. Email show at itscanonpodcast.com. And you can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. So we appreciate you listening, and we would love if you subscribe and tell your friends and reach out to us, talk to us, yell at us, do whatever. Just don't be too rude. Or be rude. Whatever. Just thanks for listening, everyone. We've had an awesome time chatting all things news. As I mentioned at the top of the show this Wednesday, we will be talking about Disney Plus and Mulan and Paramount and AMC and TikTok and Microsoft and American presidents because we kind of have to as we talk about TikTok and whatnot. But thanks, everyone, for listening. It's the It's Canon podcast where we talk about all things geek, all things toys, all things movies, all things comics, all things books, all things everything and everything and the best part of it all is is that all in canon. And just remember, this is the only podcast with less testosterone than Sex and the City. Thank you so much. Goodbye. <laughs>